0: Farting, burping, indigestion, gastroparesis, vomiting, nausea, diarrhea, bloating. Do I have your attention now? Hey, if you're an endurance athlete and you're living with GI distress, you don't have to live with GI distress. Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Bob Sibahar, and my amazing co-host, Dina Griffin. We are both registered dietitians who are board-certified specialists in sports dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We are here to translate nutrition and sports science research to real life and give you some awesome interviews with a variety of experts so you can enhance your knowledge to optimize your health, fitness, and athletic performance. Now, in this episode, as you heard from my intro, Dina and I are talking all about one of my favorite topics in the world to talk about, and that is GI distress. I mostly like talking about it because I was plagued with the GI distress monster when I first engaged in endurance sports a way long time ago. And here's the thing. I was told back then that it's just right a passage like, hey, you're an endurance athlete. You get GI distress, deal with it. Well, you know what? I did deal with it for a little bit, and then I got a little sick of dealing with it, and Decided to do something about it so that's what dina and i are talking about what it is how we fix it and what we can do about gi distress because you know what yeah you can do something about gi distress so we are super pumped that you're listening and listen even if you're an endurance athlete that does not have gi distress you're gonna know someone that has it so pass along this episode to them It is going to be super useful to engage with and just learn, as Dean and I always like doing, give you some great golden nuggets. Before we do get to the show, though, how appropriately do I mention my new self-study course that I just did put together and created? It is called Eliminating GI Distress in Endurance Athletes. It's a self-study course. Fantastic learning modules. There's some great transformational activities. My whole goal is not just to educate you, but is to educate you and help you identify your GI distress or GI disorder and help you get rid of it through different strategies. So it's an awesome course. Go over to my website, EnergyPerformance.com, E N R G Performance.com. Check out, click on the courses and masterclasses tabs, and you will find it. And now, on to the episode. Well, Dina, let me ask you a question. What comes to your mind when you hear
1: horda potties? I would say that is a location, a locale, a destination I do not wish to visit (laughs) ever, unless it's just like for a quick in and out to grab a tissue for my runny nose or a little, you know, tinkle.
0: Like, you don't need to, you don't want to depend on, but you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I need to blow my nose. I need some tissue. Yeah. I totally get that. Right. Or you're like, yeah. Or, or like you're running by, you're cycling by it. And this is me nowadays, but it wasn't like 20 years ago and you're riding by a porta potty You're like, ah, been there, done that. Glad I'm not there anymore. Right.
1: That, yes. Which is
0: kind of leading into what we're talking about. And that is the GI distress monster in endurance athletes. And I guess any athlete, but it's just more prominent in endurance athletes. In fact, Dina, 30 to 90% of endurance athletes have GI distress at some point in their life career, call it whatever it is. And it could be just some symptoms. It could be more like a disease state downstairs. So it's crazy, the prominence, right? And I think, unfortunately- And and we'll get into the story here in a second. But unfortunately, a lot of endurance athletes live with it because they think it's okay. Do you hear that a lot?
1: Bob, it's uh, ringing a bell here because just recently in exchange um, with a friend, she mentioned that another friend of hers who had just done, I think some sort of ultra race mentioned the words or the phrase, a rite of passage to have like major GI distress in the race setting. And I I'm I got kind of riled up about that because I don't know where that came from, or is that just like a thing that gets perpetuated throughout each <laughs> generation or something? But like it does not have to be that way. I don't know why people think that or like it's a desirable or an expected outcome.
0: You know why I think I just I was just thinking about I was reflecting on that when you were saying that. I think. We have believed it's rite of passage and oh, it's just going to happen. Cause that's what I was told early on when I began endurance sport. Because we, I think people don't know that number one, it's not normal. And number two, they don't know that there's actually ways to fix it. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think that's why they come back on the, Oh yeah, it's right. A passage. It, it's always part of it. And that's kind of where my story begins. I mean, I won't, I won't date us too much to the year. Um, but I remember when I made the transition from team sport athlete to endurance, And specifically when I started more longer distance and by longer distance, I started in triathlon by longer distance. I really mean Olympic distance, which we don't really think is long, but you know, when you're first starting out as an endurance athlete, it's kind of long, right? But I remember being plagued with the GI distress monster, almost every single training session, definitely every race. And same thing back then, Dean, this was, you know, this was, this was a few years ago. Let's just call it what it is. But I remember asking everybody from friends, colleagues, training buddies, even professors, because I was actually in school at the time too. And I got the same exact response like, oh no, it's normal. It's part, it's rite of passage. You're an endurance athlete. It happens, right?
1: Yeah. And I know we talked about this on our very first episode of this podcast, Bob, in our origin story, like (laughs) how we even got into this field, but our experience with this aspect of sports nutrition and fueling the endurance athlete, like we've we've been there. But yeah, the message, like, yeah, it comes with the territory and someday maybe you'll work your way out of it or just that's how you get through you know like it's just the norm the mo yeah. of of training and racing but we're here to hopefully spread the word and spread the love uh, that we can all do something about it but you have to you know become more educated and try out some things uh, really put your learning hats on and and bob the point of this episode is to touch on on this a little more, get people thinking about it, and of course we've got some resources to share for further education and doing to make this not a thing.
0: For um, sure, and and we
1: will we will piggyback on this
0: episode because we do want to make this a little bit shorter because there's so many things to unpack with GI distress. Yeah. So we do want to kind of make this part of a ongoing you know discussion because there are number one there's so many different symptoms and there are different conditions and it's so individual to the athlete that we do want to kind of spend some time unpacking some of these things. But no, I, I agree. I think with, you know, with GI distress, there's, you know, there, uh, I think people think of athletes think of GI distress, like, oh yeah, my stomach hurts or I'm bloated or whatever. And it's fine. Right. It's fine. It's it, it'll pass. Well, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So I think it's important to like, look at like the, what I like to teach athletes, like there are basic symptoms of GI distress, and then there are GI conditions, Yeah, right? So if you're having some simple uh, symptoms and that could be bloating, it could be reflux indigestion, you know, even diarrhea, but not, not chronic. Right. But those things will pop into our lives every so often because of many things, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, but really it's, I, I almost think of, you know, you're lucky you're, you're a lucky endurance athlete if you only have very acute or short-lived symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't me. And, you know, until I fixed my GI distress, I would have those symptoms, but in it, and it wasn't really in a condition, which we'll talk about a few of the conditions here, but it was more, the symptoms were reoccurring every single run, every single bike ride. And listen, you know my story, Dina. Like I tried everything with myself and with athletes. Like we did fiber tapers. We looked at different sport drinking ingredients. We looked at different sugars, we manipulated their daily nutrient, like everything and nothing was really working. And, you know, that my aha moment was, you know, looking more at the research and, and looking at things, but that's, you know, what led me to really create the metabolic efficiency training concept, because literally that was my only goal was to get rid of GI distress. And now we know there are so many better, you know, interesting, you know, aspects of metabolic efficiency, but let's, let's talk about like the symptoms, the conditions, you know, upper versus lower. Cause that's another thing too, right. It's not just yeah. sometimes about my stomach hurts. Like what do we, where do yeah. we go with like that upper lower thing?
1: It's good to talk about that, but yeah, because I think to your earlier point, some people just like, Oh, okay. I have this thing and I don't know, maybe it's just today, but then like realizing or reflecting, wow, this past year I've had these chronic issues and not really knowing, you know, what it's attributed to or, or that this actually is a thing that could be tied to something that we can definitely address. So yeah, I think thinking of gastrointestinal issues, Bob, like that categorization of upper versus lower is helpful just so that you know, if if you, someone listening are trying to clue in for your own self, is this me? Is this a thing? You know, determining what aspect or area of the body is being affected then can help guide where we want to pinpoint the issues or start to address this in a systematic way. So Bob, all that just to say, I think of the upper GI, like the burps, also just feeling like that heartburn or acid reflux kind of feeling. And I know you've said this before on a previous pod, kind of like belly button and up or stomach (laughs) and up. We kind of think of the upper GI tract. So we can have stomach bloating versus like lower intestinal bloating. where just like that chronic side stitch, you know, where it might affect breathing. I know that can be related to some other muscular things or respiratory Mm -hmm. things, but even nausea, I think more like that upper kind of GI tract, even though it can originate from the lower GI. Yeah, Um, for sure. Let's see. And then lower, and you can add to this too. Oh, of course I forgot vomiting is Mm -hmm. another pretty severe (laughs) uh, side effect symptom of, GI distress but or manifestation therein and then lower GI distress can encompass gas flatulence the urgency maybe to visit those porta potties you were referring to uh-huh. diarrhea bloody stools what else are we missing constipation yet? constipation yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's like a whole laundry list of these symptoms
0: Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? And, you know, you, you brought up, I just want to, I just want to poke fun at this because you brought up something that I want to bring out. Um, As, as you know, you know, I've, I've created a new educational course for endurance athletes and which is near and dear to my heart, you know, eliminating GI distress and endurance athletes. And through all the research that I did on this, it's funny. You brought up flatulence. Right, so flatulence is farting. Right, we have gas coming out of both ends. Right, we're either burping or farting. Word, I did. I Ah. well, here's the thing, guys. (laughs) Guys love the word fart. We just do. Like every even now, (laughs) see what just happened. Anytime you you say fart in front of a guy, we'll start laughing. (laughs) Oh, you're laughing too. It's good. I'm laughing because it's just
1: I know it's 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 funny,
0: right? Goofy word. fart jokes or anything They're just so funny for for uh, for anyone, I'm sure, but I'm anyway, my whole point is not fart jokes. My whole point is th- throughout my research for my new course, I actually ran across this statistic and I was shocked at, what I'm going to say next. And it's, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny, but it kind of is, you know, a lot of people think passing gas or farting is not good, Mm -hmm. but it's actually normal. In fact, here's the statistic. A normal individual will fart between eight to 20 times a day.
1: I mean, I'm going to put that in the show notes for everyone's (laughs) reference because- now we can normalize the toots.
0: Well, and I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes total sense. Like, we shouldn't think of passing gas as a negative thing unless, now there's some unlesses, right? And I don't want to go down the fart path here, but if it doesn't <laughs> smell, good. If it's like really foul smelling, if it's accompanied by some diarrhea or something going on, or if it's obviously more than 20 times a day, like, yeah, something's going on downstairs, we might need to look at the daily nutrition. But the whole point is to kind of loop back in because listeners are like, where are you going with this, Bob? What is going on? Let's loop it back. It's all about upper and lower conditions and upper and lower symptoms. So it is, it's a good Metric and if you know if you talk to a sport dietitian, usually we'll ask, okay, is it happening above or below the belly button? Because then we can start to follow the path of your symptoms to help, hopefully, try to cure these things, right? But I do want to just make note that there is, you know, a lot of people. There's, I I don't know this statistic, D, but IBS, intestinal uh, in intestinal bowel syndrome, is so so prominent. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how prominent these days that is literally just a list of symptoms, right? So I think we need to be, I I just kind of wanted to say this, or irritable bowel syndrome is a list of symptoms and which we already need, right? Diarrhea, constipation, reflex. That's that's one thing. So a lot of people have IBS because it's such a host of symptoms, a conglomerate Mm -hmm. of symptoms, but irritable bowel disease. So IBS versus IBD. So irritable bowel disease is very different. And that is a group of diseases such as Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. So those are a little bit more, a little bit more in depth, a little bit more complex. Sometimes, um, you know, medical attention, gastroenterologists are very, uh, needed in those categories because it's not just the symptoms. So I just wanted to throw that out there just in case yeah. we have some listeners like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe my symptoms are lasting longer than they should, or they're very painful or, I tried changing my nutrition plan and nothing's working. I mean, I still think there's a lot you can do with nutrition, but mm-hmm. sometimes it could be that you don't have the, dare I say, easier symptoms of IBS, but maybe you do have something going on in terms of an, you know, kind of an irritable bowel disease instead of just the, the syndrome itself.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't come out or, you know, you're not, I mean, there can be a variety of reasons we experience. IBS or IBD later Mm -hmm. in life, or as we're just maturing as adults anyway. And and
0: sometimes like Crohn's, there is a genetic component, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I've seen a lot of the GI distress monster symptoms kind of creep into a lot of athletes as, as we do get older, because there are some digestive changes for sure that happen as we age, but there are a couple of main causes of GI distress that I think our listeners would, would definitely want to know. Right. Mm Yeah. So the first one, let's, let's make it easy. Like the first one is actually an easy one to ID. It's mechanical, like it's mechanical forces. So kind of like, you know, I look, I think of like the road cyclist, the triathlete in an arrow position, right? So you're just basically um, mechanically you're, you're affecting your posture and there could be pressure. There could be compacting against the abdominal walls for sure.
1: Similarly in that vein is the uh, with runners, right? Mm. Like the up and down with the uh with that mm-hmm. intensity or the the I yeah, the word jostling comes to mind, just that yep. like jostling of the organs, uh sp- specifically, you know, our, our tummy <laughs> and intestinal yeah. tract, which is huge in the body, and just that repetitive motion. Um So those kinds of mechanical inputs can definitely be a contributor or a cause to, to then the symptoms or signs of GI issues.
0: And I don't know the stats here, Dee, but I, in my, in my experience, you know, and I'm sure same with you, I see a lot more runners experiencing GI distress than I do cyclists or triathletes on the bike,
1: right? Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: because of those mechanical jostling effects, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is... good category to cover. And then uh, let's see, which one should we dive into next? Just
0: Well, I a- always talk about like the, you know, we talk about the nervous system sometimes and the sympathetic nervous system. So that's the fight or flight one. So, and not, not a lot of athletes understand this, but, you know, before here's, let me unpack this. I, I, when I work with athletes, they usually complain, not always, but usually say, well, I don't really have GI distress during training. It just happens during a race. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's probably about 80 to 90% of athletes, 10 to 20% still have it during training. But if that's you and you're only experiencing GI distress symptoms during a race, it could be because of this, this sympathetic nervous system drive. So what happens as you get nervous before a race, you, know, you get the butterflies, you get nervous, you get maybe a little anxious that actually increases sympathetic nervous system, which increases motility in the GI system. Now, increasing motility in the GI system could sometimes be a good thing, except right before a race, right? Because exactly. that's, you know, we we get the urge to to go to the bathroom right before a race. That's what's happening, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times I see that that actually continues throughout a race if it happens significantly before a race. So mm-hmm. there's really not much you can, there's not an easy fix to that. Um, I have tried to, you know, tell athletes, you know, we, we look at mindfulness, meditation, visualization, just relaxation techniques. I've also tried to have athletes try to spark it in training. So treat a training session like a race. So you kind of get anxious and you, you know, usually have to do it with a group. So it kind of stresses you out a little bit, but there are some ways around, you know, that, that sympathetic nervous system activation.
1: Definitely. And I remember in our episode number 20, when we had Dr. Patrick Wilson on the author of uh, The Athlete's Gut, he addressed some of this in this one of his research areas, the role of stress and anxiety upon the onset or the contributor to GI distress. So um, that's a great episode if anyone wants to go back to that one. And, And even Bob, our conversation with Dr. Justin Ross yeah. um the performance therapist um I mean he, he's got so many hats but uh that was an excellent you know conversation as well even though it, it wasn't solely about GI distress but just, just to your point, the impact is from psychological state of being or mental health can definitely uh, affect our gut behavior and reactivity.
0: Yeah. And this will be a future episode, I guarantee it, but there is this thing called gut brain access. So there's information that gets shared by the gut and the brain. And that's a little bit of what you're talking about too, D. where we can influence um, gut patterns and motility uh, through, you know, obviously different thoughts, patterns that we're, that we're doing upstairs, you know, upstairs can affect downstairs and downstairs can affect upstairs, but well, that'll, that'll be a future episode. But I think it's really important not to not to disregard the whole impact of of the psychological piece of gi distress cuz not many mm-hmm. people actually look into that right yeah
1: our next area, Bob, I, is one of my faves. Just you know, thinking of the physiological responses of exercise, what happens in the body, and I think this one that we're going to talk about here briefly is underappreciated or or simply just not known by uh-huh. by the masses. So, do you want to start off with with yeah. uh, this third one, Bob?
0: Which is kind of shocking to me because it is probably one of the most prominent reasons for GI distress. During exercise, not outside of exercise, during. So, listeners, if you have GI distress symptoms during exercise, you're going to want to stop what you're doing right now and just stop the car, stop running, whatever you're doing, and pay note to this because this is the infamous blood shunting response, right? And I mean, I don't know how many decades this has been in research. I mean, it was, you know, when I was researching metabolic efficiency training, what, almost 20 years ago, it was prominent back then. But yeah, basically the blood shunting response is, when you start exercise obviously any type of exercise your muscles in your appendages need blood for to deliver oxygen and nutrients and what happens during exercise is the blood gets shunted or moved from the digestive system to the working muscles so depending on your intensity it kind of depends on or it kind of dictates how much blood is actually shunted so you know you can i mean i heard I heard the statistic D where, you know, if you, I think it's, if it was, if you exercise at about 70% of VO2 max, which is kind of like a moderate, I mean, it depends on the person, but maybe like a zone two high zone two is somewhere around there that could actually reduce the blood flow to the gut by almost 50 to 70%. So think about that. Moderate exercise can reduce blood flow in the gut by almost up to 70%. And this is what's happening is athletes are having huge issues during exercise because just a physiology, right? Because blood yeah. is being shunted. And I mean, this is, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because this is, remember the reset button? We talked about this a while back. And yeah. I remember when we first met and you're like, what's the reset button? I'm like, <laughs> well, that's basically when an athlete forces themselves to throw up, to feel better during exercise. Yeah. And Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but we're not advocating that because that there are many other things you can do, but the blood shunting response, it's, it's a difficult one to, to manage because you're usually you're racing.
1: (laughs) Definitely. And just thinking of Bob, like the people who are in very hot climates too especially like the ultra endurance folks just that environment in the gut where you know it's been described different ways but like it gets hot in in the gut you know like there's a lot of response that's somewhat volatile and it can cause this like I know that also this word toxic is kind of scary, but like mm. this kind of toxic environment within the gut. And uh-huh. and then, you know, you get some permeability happening. There can be transfer of nutrients or other substrates into the gut, into the blood that, that can contribute to nausea or this endotoxemia word, uh-huh. you know, like just the environment within the gut. It's nothing we can control unless we stop exercising or just slow the heck down. Well, and Um, that's the thing, right? And a lot of athletes
0: are like, like, I get this question all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I'm experiencing X, Y, Z distress during my race. What do I do? Yeah. You know, at that and listen, listeners, you have to plan for that. If you are plagued with the GI distress monster, literally the first thing to do is slow down. Like you Mm -hmm. have to slow down to, especially now this is such a Pandora's box, Dean, and we won't go down this because this will be future episodes. But listen, if you're not treating your body and your gut well on the front end, right? So if you're not improving your digestive health through nutrition, through other things, and if you're not allowing your body to use the nutrients efficiently that it has in it, aka you know improving your metabolic efficiency you're dumping all these calories in your gut that maybe your body can't handle, especially when there's the blood shunting response during exercise, you have to slow down or stop, right? Because this is usually when it happens is, after you take in some calories or whatever, and it's not an immediate response, it's usually shortly thereafter, you start running or biking or whatever you're doing. And then you're like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I feel like I'm going to throw up or something's going to happen. You have to stop or slow down. So the blood goes back to your gut. So you can process the calories that you just consumed. Otherwise you're not going anywhere fast.
1: Definitely. Which kind of ties nicely to, to this fourth area, which can be independent so on its own or related to what you're just saying with the blood shunting response, uh, is just like what are we consuming nutritionally mm. or hydration wise or not consuming on a dehydration stand standpoint. So like what we eat, Bob, in terms of composition amount, the timing, other supplements that might be somewhat stimulatory in nature like caffeine. Are we not consuming enough fluids or what's the concentration of carbohydrate or sugar in the solution that we're drinking? I mean, gosh, there's I don't know how many you've identified and cover in your in your course now, but yeah. I mean there I know my list is pretty long of all the nutritional yeah. aspects related.
0: So many. And yeah. you know the lowest hanging fruit D, I'm going to throw it out there and listeners, this is the golden nugget hydration. Hydration yeah. is the first thing that you want to focus on, but it's yeah. always the last thing we think about. Cause we're like, True. Oh no, I'm, I'm hydrated. It's fine. No, 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 yeah. no, no, you're not. You're not. I guaranteed you're not. I'm guaranteed you're dehydrated listening to our podcast right now. So go drink something Yes. <laughs> anyway, but no hydration and fluid is so necessary, not only for the digestive system, but to help prevent GI distress. So that's the first lowest hanging fruit. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it out like it is because you know what you know me, D. I mean, it's simple sugars really, really aggravate the digestive system if you are sensitive to GI distress. That's what I've noticed. It holds true. There's a little bit of research to support it too. It doesn't happen in all athletes, but you know, if you are plagued with the GI distress monster and you constantly have symptoms during exercise and you introduce simple sugars, it's going to make it worse. And that's actually one, the second place I start with athletes. The first is, is hydration. The second is, well, what are you consuming? Are you consuming simple sugars during, and is it too much? Is like, what's going on? They just, they just piss off the gut. And now I'm not talking about our, you know, iron stomach athletes who are listening to this, like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with this. I'm not talking about you guys and girls, right? I'm talking about us that are living with this, you know, nightmare, which we call GI distress. And Listen, you don't have to live with the nightmare anymore. It's totally fixable. Um, now if you do have a GI, you know, condition like you know, irritable bowel disease, that's definitely something you want to look at working with a gastroenterologist, working with a good dietitian uh, on a team basis, because that there's something else going on. Like that's a little more severe, but kind of goes back to the whole, I just wanted to ID my top two things that I talk about in terms of yeah, nutrition. Yeah. Definitely. But there are so there are so many more. So like many. I mean, what if, what if an athlete, what if they don't have good digestive health? Like what if they're good and bad bacteria is imbalanced? What if they have dysbiosis? Like that's going to set off GI distress also irrespective of all these different uh, mechanical or sympathetic nervous system or whatever issues there's going to be underlying issues, you know, initially. And that's why we kind of go at it where, you know, let's, let's how I approach this is let's heal your gut first, right? And then let's look at everything else that's going on because it's not about just like, oh, I'm not gonna eat this gel during exercise. Like you have to heal your gut first. That's first and foremost, right?
1: A lot of areas to really unpack in this discovery process of figuring out what is going on if this is an underlying gut Dysbiosis yeah. issue or hormonal shifts, even in like perimenopause, menopause years, Bob. That mm-hmm. that can be a player in the story. So,
0: totally. hopefully,
1: listeners, you're getting clued in to the very respectable areas that <laughs> we need to pay attention to in terms of GI function and GI health. Yeah, in and your poor near, body. near and
0: dear to our heart. Like we're gonna really unpack some of these in future episodes because they do they, they do kind of require their own episode because there are so many things. So we just kind of wanted to introduce these things to get you thinking and be like, Oh yeah, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And maybe we can start helping you on your GI distress monster, you know, path and eliminating that. And, you know, there's some great resources out there. So, you know, stay tuned for our our future episodes on these topics, but, you know, to, to your point to Dina, I mean, check out those previous podcasts that we did uh, that Dina mentioned because they're phenomenal in talking about GI health and even that gut brain axis and trying to kind of link the 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 brain to the gut and even just through some some basic psychological practices.
1: Love it, Bob. So I think even in closing is just reminding everyone that you don't have to live with GI distress, especially if it's been happening chronically to you. Let's figure it out. So definitely reach out to us. For more information, Bob, do you want to mention your program?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I just created the, you know, it's eliminating GI distress and endurance athletes. It's a self-study program, uh, course it's, is phenomenal. Cause I take you through the whole digestive system, challenges, issues, how to identify what's going on with you. And then obviously the nutrition strategies that actually you need to do to try to fix uh, your, your GI distress problem Um, in the symptoms, but also to improve digestive health. And that's one thing I emphasize. We actually just don't want to fix a problem. We actually want to improve health on the other end also. So that would be a great resource. Just head on over to my website, energyperformance.com.
1: All right. And with that, we will let y'all go. Thank you for being here with us today for this episode, and we will catch you on the next one.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 101, where Dina and I sat down and did a lowdown on GI distress. Hopefully you got a few gold nuggets from that. And if not for yourself, maybe passing along to a training partner or family member. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Dina and I welcome a very good friend of ours, Tavis Piatoli. He is a sport dietitian, and we are talking all about omega-3 fats. Now, here's the thing, though. You probably know what omega-3 fats are. But we're going to talk to Tavis and we're going to go a deep dive into not only what they are, we're going to kind of skim that surface, but we're going to go into the testing and the supplementation of omega-3s because that is a hugely popular area that Dina and I ask or, and answer a ton of questions for a lot of listeners, a lot of athletes. So we're going to do a deep dive into different types of omega-3 supplements because there are actually some out there that are not that great and others that are fantastic. And also the testing to actually elucidate and quantify if the supplements that you're taking, omega-3 supplements, are actually working or not. So stay tuned. We're super, super excited to have Tavis back on the podcast. Now, if you do have a sport nutrition question, any question at all, email us hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. We love hearing from you. Even if you just want to you know, shoot us a comment, that'd be great. But if you have questions, we will answer those on uh, upcoming Ask Us Anything episode. We certainly appreciate that and all of your support that you are giving us. In fact, if you would mind going over to your favorite podcast platform, give us a review, give us a five-star rating just share the news, share the ISM love with other people that you know because we're just trying to make an impact on as many, many athletes and listeners around the world. You can also head on over to our website, insidesportsnutrition.com. You can find all the show notes, you can find all of our um, partnerships and just a whole a whole bunch of other educational materials. Now, speaking of educational materials. Head on over to my website, energyperformance.com, that's E-N-R-G performance.com to see all of the business offerings that I have and head on over and visit Dina at nutritionmechanic.com. Both of us have some great nutrition services, physiological testing, biomarker testing. I do some endurance coaching, just amazing. So head on over to our websites, check us out, and we will certainly pass that love on to you the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor the information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose treat cure prevent any disease or medical condition this podcast is for information education and entertainment purposes only